Here we go. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Networth Podcast, where today we talk all things National Basketball Association and handicap everything that's happening in professional hoops. Joining me, as always, from the other side of the glorious United States, it's California. It's just about maybe sundown there. How's it looking, Spread? Oh, yeah, it's already dark, just like the outlook of the two teams in Northern California. Well, we'll get to that, but as always, I'd like to surprise you with a question that you're not prepared for oh, to start okay, the podcast. Cool. It's my understanding that there's a boxing match this weekend, and some guy named Canelo Alvarez is fighting some guy named, uh, what is it, Kovalev? I don't even That's know what his like first name is. So I was listening to a podcast today, and gosh, I love Which betting one? underdogs. Um, it was the Bill Simmons podcast. We oh, was talking okay. to a guy, Chris Mannix, who apparently announces... All yeah, of Manics. the fights on uh, DAZN or, or DAZN or whatever it is yeah. you're saying. I'm, he does I'm trying basketball to... and boxing for SI. Ah, okay. He seemed to be kind of like a relatively sharp guy. And they were talking about the fight. And I'll be honest, they got me excited about betting Kovalev. I don't know what he is. I mean, I love betting a big dog. What are your thoughts on the fight? I know you're a boxing guy. Okay, I can actually break down this fight. Um, so Kovalev was like the darling of the internet boxing community a couple years ago because he was Russian. Uh, he talked a lot of smack, and uh, he would get knockouts. Um, he actually killed someone in the ring back in Russia. Really? So that, yeah. Oh, and he's man. Russian. Yeah. So he's kind of like Drago. And then another reason he was popular is uh, the other guy in his um, weight class was this guy, Adonis Stevenson, who would talk all this crap. And, but he would no, not fight anyone good, and so Kovalev would fi- always be calling him out. And so that kind of made him popular, too, because, you know... All right, you're helping right like now. I want to bet Kovalev even more. Well, okay, here's the reason I would be a little wary. I mean, Kovalev, like, if you just want to make a for-fun bet, like, Kovalev is definitely the more for-fun... Uh, all right, maybe just to pause for a second and give a little context for, you know, I know this is mostly a basketball and tennis podcast, but I'm looking right now, the odds for, for Canelo, looks like he's minus 450, um, yeah. Kovalev's plus 325 or 3.25 to 1, if you will, so he's a big underdog here, so just to put that in context, I mean, the market clearly thinks Canelo's the favorite, so right, I'm just kind of being the heel. What, no, but see, because Kovalev almost needs a knockout to win, like, we know boxing isn't the, uh, it's not, like, you know, it's corrupt. You know, <laughs> like I was trying to word my way around it, but I can't. It's corrupt. So if it's a close fight or even not even close, if Canelo just makes it the distance, he's probably going to win no matter what happens in the fight. That's where like boxing has problems sometimes. So you're saying so you're saying that if I want to bet Kovalev, I should just bet Kovalev to knock him out. Otherwise, it goes the distance and Canelo's going to win. Yeah, as long as you get like weird things in there like DQ and stuff, too. Interesting. All right. So what do you think? It's my, also my understanding that Canelo's going up a weight class. You know, I right. know that that's a big deal because normally fighters like to fight at their own weight. And when they go up, um, things tend to change. How do you think that's going to factor in? Um, I, I, don't, I think he'll be fine. He's a pretty sturdy guy but to begin with. And then Kovalev, like, uh, he's getting a little older. And these guys are real smart, like, especially Canelo's team. Like, they, they I don't think they would take a fight unless they saw something that they thought they could exploit, you know, it's like the way they, uh, they did GGG. They waited for him to show like some sort of weakness. And then once they saw that and they could, you know, build a plan to attack it, then they took the GGG fight. So if they take the fight, you know, they're obviously seeing something. Um, all right. Were you going to have a wager at all on the fight? I mean, if I did, yeah, I'd just be Kovalev for fun because I don't know. Canelo's one of the guys that like kind of, 
he's he's good for the sport, but you know, like I said, the fact that you know that if it goes the distance, he's gonna win, and he's won controversial decisions before, you know. But then he acts like he's the best. You know, it's kind of got that old uh, WWF like heel vibe where they you know they win by disqualification all the time or things like that, but then they act like they're the best. It kind of has that vibe, so he's fun to root against, and then he gets people out because uh, the Mexican-American fan base is obviously the biggest fan base for boxing, so it, like, uh, if I go to see a normal fight that doesn't have a, a Mexican-American fighter in it, usually the, the theater, because you can go see him in the theaters, these big pay-per-views. I don't mm-hmm. know about zone, but before you used to be able to. Um, and they would always, if it's a Mexican American fighter, it's full. If it's anyone else, then you can pretty much get whatever seat you want, you know? So, so they definitely bring the people out. So I'm looking at odds here on match outcome. It sounds like the play, if you wanted to put something down for fun, and this is what I'm going to look to do. Kovalev by, by KO, KO, TK, or disqualification is five and a half to one. Yeah, I would play that. All right, so maybe that's a little fun there. Well, thank you for your thoughts. I know you're a big boxing guy, and um, I thought it'd be good for the people to hear you talk about no, that a little Kovalev bit. Kovalev was one of my favorites. He's uh, he's had like some problems with um, things outside the ring too that have made him less popular, but um, he was always one of my favorites. Uh, he's just getting a little older, but I'm excited oh. about the fight too. I'll be watching it for sure. All right, let's finally talk a little bit of NBA here. That was very All good, right. but let's jump to the sport we came here to talk about. Let's this is it. our first kind of weekly check-in for the year. Our goal, folks, is going to be to check in every Wednesday night, um, talk a little bit about the state of the league, what the standings look like, what some of the high-level team statistics look like, big stories from the week to come, and then to give you a little taste of our handicapping, we thought it'd be fun to handicap the Thursday night games every week. I know that you know those of you who follow the NFL, it's um, much easier from a, a media standpoint. You get all your games on Sundays. So you kind of have your week laid out from that perspective. Basketball is every night, but we thought to try to give you a little consistency um, in what we're doing and try to focus on some of the bigger, tougher nights. You know, Thursday I know is a big night for basketball. They do the three games, two of them usually on TNT, um, some pretty big matchups. So our goal as we go through the year, we'll be checking in on the standings, try to give you an understanding of, you know, here's where things are, here it was last week. And, you know, as I start to put this together, we'll share some stuff on the Twitter page for the podcast at Networth Pod that'll show you kind of, you know, here's the teams that had the most wins as we go along. I think that'll be pretty interesting as well as some net rating stats. What do you think, Spread? Does that sound like a good general construct? Yep, I think we got a good idea here. All right, and what a better place to start in the Eastern Conference where guess who the number one seed <laughs> in the Eastern Conference is if the playoffs were tomorrow, Spread? Do you know who it is? I know who it is. Do you know who it is? Do you know who it is? I know who it is. Uh, They're undefeated. The Philadelphia Rockies. Yeah, baby, the Philadelphia 76ers. 10 9 8 spread. 76ers. 1 2 3 4 5. <laughs> Sixers. I couldn't be more happy with the way the team's playing. I know that they, you know, they played Boston um, tonight. They faced um, the Minnesota Timberwolves. You know, that was kind of interesting. We'll talk about what happened there. Uh, you know, more than anything, I've been incredibly impressed in the defense. The team offensively is, is, I think, still struggling to figure out what to do with a lot of the offense that ran through J.J. Redick last year. And I think Josh Richardson's trying to figure out where he fits. Tobias Harris, I think, is getting used to being a little more of a cut and and pop and shoot kind of guy as opposed to getting a chance to create with the ball. But I think he's acclimating to that well. But the defense... 
for me is really, really where they stand out. I mean, the way Tibble looks when he comes on the floor and Bede continues to be an absolute monster in protection. Josh Richardson is just, oh, oh my God, spread. It's beautiful to watch the way he moves his feet on the floor. I know that he got a lot of fouls on Trey Young, but if you go back and watch that game, some of those fouls calls were, I mean, tough at the absolute best. I know that uh, Thibault had a little trouble against the Celtics. It was fun to watch Kemba Walker do a little bit of veteran stuff and kind of mess around with him. There was one play where um, he head faked Thibel, went into the, the lane, and Thibel kind of tried to move out of the way, but Kemba, re- realizing what happened, took a dribble, actually dribbled backwards into Thibel, put his butt out, got Thibel to hit him, threw up a shot, and got the shot as well as a free throw. But in general, the 76ers defense has been incredibly impressive. Have you gotten a chance to watch them spread? Oh, of course. Is it Thibel or Tibble? I think it's Thibel. I'm going with Thibel. I know I said Tibble the first time and then <laughs> yeah, switched. Okay. I'm going yeah. with Thibel the rest of the way. Um, if that's wrong, Matisse, feel free to reach out. We'd love to talk to you about it on the pod. <laughs> so um, I remember we had mentioned, you know, when we got towards the end of the previews that I felt like our major weakness was not knowing the incoming players. And it actually, uh, watching Thibel, uh made me realize that what we need to do during the offseason next year is just maybe spend – you know, a couple pods at least watching some of these guys and getting ready because he is almost single-handedly invalidating one of my assessments of the team, and that was that they have a a really weak bench, right? So you have him coming off, and, you know, what do you get out of your bench players? You usually just get solid guys that know all the fundamentals. You get guys that can score and do nothing else, or you get solid defenders. He's looking like a solid defender right off the bat, which is crazy for a rookie because usually rookies struggle, you know, coming in. I honestly can't believe you'd underestimate him. He is more than a solid defender spread. I think that he's already one of the better perimeter defenders in the league. Okay. <laughs> sure. I'm not trying to say bad. I'm saying. I'm I need to find that. Hold on a second. I need to find that turnover thing that I think our buddy D Money. Um, who's one of our very favorite follows dumped in the chat here, but I yeah. think he's second so far in the league in turnovers forced, even though he's played half the minutes of everyone else on the list. Right, so you keep talking, games, I'm going like, to find that. I mean, it's three games. So listen, all right, I mean, fine. It's three games. With, all right, with, all right, uh, fine, fine, fine. With Leonard and Georgette for on-ball defenders. But <laughs> he has, like I said, he single-handedly you know, invalidated one of my handicaps of the team, which was that their depth was weak because you bring him off the bench He's, like I said, an above-average solid defender, and he can score. And I think the scoring is funny. I see more potential for scoring to improve than his defense. His defense looks more polished than his scoring, which is usually the opposite for young players. It's one of my favorite parts about him. They're able to score, but they can't defend. So you're you're right. Rookies enter the like that. Yeah, rookies enter the league all the time without without that ability to defend. So to be able to start with that, that absolutely easily quantifiable thing and, and work on all the rest of it, I think is such a gift. I will say that he's been very good. I counted on him as being pretty good. My big surprise to the bench has actually been Furkan Korkmaz. Um, he looks a little out of fray at moments, but has been very good offensively and actually has been above average on defense. He's gotten caught on an island a little bit a few times. But I think the bigger story with the 76er spread, did you see what happened tonight? Yeah. <laughs> About 14 hey, feet. See- so I know that, you know, Embiid's your favorite player and you want to talk him fighting with Dallas, but did you also see the one where um, Simmons hooks his hand under and gets the chokehold and, and tells I'm ready like for a full tap? breakdown. That's kind Have of why I started that? the podcast. With, oh, I did. I watched it live spread. So oh, okay. 
for it's those of you crazy because it's almost like towns was like tapping like he was really choking him he totally he tapped out he was happened. on tv so he only tapped once instead of like the normal three or four times you get with like a real tap you know it was almost like the instinct hit and he's like oh crap this is on tv this is gonna go viral but 100%. yeah that's just that's just nuts i mean uh that was a nice good old-fashioned wrestling match i mean they were really going at it it wasn't uh it wasn't puff your chest out, you know. I mean, they were really trying to throw so, each other around, and that's smart because if you just try and take a guy to the ground, you don't get the the, the automatic suspension for the punch. I mean, they're getting suspended. Let's not absolutely let's not get that wrong. But um. so to break this down a little bit, you know, by the time you guys hear this, there'll be a bunch of videos floating around YouTube. I don't. I have yet to see. I'm sorry, YouTube and Twitter. I, I you know, I've yet to see one that showed the full kind of thing through the end but it, it was amazing so Embiid and Towns are, are kind of boxing each other out for defensive rebound the ball goes out Horford's down at the other end of floor dunking and then all of a sudden Embiid and, and Towns are elbowing each other they grab each other and go to the ground and both teams jump on top of them one of the Timberwolves grabs Embiid I didn't see who it was uh, but Ben Simmons grabs <coughs> Carl Anthony Towns flips him over and is holding him down at a chokehold on the ground and you're right Towns absolutely 100% tapped out. It was amazing. I haven't seen that much physicality in an NBA game. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it's nothing compared to the Rudy punch, but since that moment, I mean, there hasn't been, I guess, Bron Artest going into the stands, but on the court between two players, that's about as physical as it's ever been. That was a lot of fun. Um, So aren't Simmons and Towns buddies, like, didn't they get in trouble, or not like trouble, but cause a little controversy because they were playing like Fortnite till like 4 a.m.? And Towns was teasing Simmons like, "Man, you got it. You should go to sleep. You got a game tomorrow." And he was like, "Oh, it's the Hawks." And he still dropped like a double double. So they aren't they like buddies? I think that they are. I've heard about that a, a, a yeah. few times, but I, it's just what what a wild context. I assume everyone's going to get suspended. But now that we're talking about that spread, as a Joe Allen beat owner in fantasy, are you ready to trade oh, trade him God. to me for for Blake Griffin? Not for Blake Griffin. <laughs> you know what, though? He's he's honestly like the reason I don't even want to open the app. It's like now I know how Vladi Divac feels. Like oh, I passed on Luka on. Doncic. For, I mean, he's a good player, but I could have had Luka. Like what was I thinking? Why did it's I It's a long season Luka? spread. It's like you said, it's only four games in. All right, six Yeah, I know. Are- he's played about like. 28 minutes so far. Even tonight, oh, I'm like, yeah, no, there's no. no way you could bother playing a full game. Then he's going to be suspended for the next one. As and a Sixers trade, fan, he's going to give me about 40 games. As a Sixers fan, I'm very excited about his minute count so far. But let's fill yeah, out no, the rest of the be. Eastern Conference here. The Sixers undefeated at 4-0. We've got the Heat at 3-1, the Raptors at 3-1, Bucks at 2-1, Celtics 2-1, Hawks 2-2, Magic 2-2, Detroit 2-2. That would be your playoffs if we started tomorrow. The Cavs, the Wizards, the Nets, the Hornets, the Knicks, the Bulls, and the Pacers all on the outside looking in. You know, it's very early in the season. Obviously, no one's played more than four games. A few teams have only played three games at this point. Um, you know, looking at the two teams that we expected to be in the playoff race, it's interesting to see the Pacers there winless and the Nets at 1-2. to two. Some interesting news this week spread about Kyrie Irving. What did you hear about Kyrie Irving and what do you think about it? It's like they found out he was moody right now. Like... Well, they found out did he was moody in have, China. I thought it was not interesting. Have any social media before any of this? Well, that's something we talked about on the podcast. I was kind of disappointed that him and Durant were going to be together, and, and maybe we didn't talk about this as extensively. I know in the chats, you and I have talked 
a whole bunch about how excited I was for the two of those weird guys to be together in a weird locker room. But it seems like you know what we expected to maybe see 40 games in is happening four games in. Kyrie is maybe not the leader of men that we hope he would be. Yeah, I mean, I think I thought that Boston made that obvious. It's like when you have a perfect situation and you can't thrive there, that kind of, you know, it's like, you know, for a football player, when they go to New England and then they like strike out, it's kind of like, okay, well, you're done now. Like if you can't make it there, like you're probably, you know, not, you're not going to make it. You know, it's just one of those things like he had the perfect situation in Boston and, you know, he just wasn't up to the challenge, and and I, I mean, boy, I don't know. It'll be interesting we'll to see. I think Durant will be a good leader, though. We'll see. It's so. tough for him because he's not playing this year. It's going to be, I think, a rough year for the Nets, and I think we talked about, again, that a little bit in some of our previews. That's why I stayed away from a lot of Nets bets, but um, interesting to see how that situation evolves. Any more thoughts on the East before we jump into the West? Uh, no, I think we're pretty good. All right, right now we've got the Spurs at 3-0, and a bunch of teams here at 3-1, and the Wolves, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Mavericks, the Jazz, the Nuggets, Rockets at 2-1. and That would be your eight playoff teams if they started tomorrow. Again, we're very early in the season. But the most interesting name so far, the name that's been talked about a bunch, is the Golden State Warriors. But I just want to give you a second spread because I know you have a lot to say about the Sacramento Kings, a team that's near and dear to our heart, especially your heart. So the floor is yours. Oh this is a gosh. safe do, place. Do we just feel snake bitten over here? You know, in my previews, I'm writing, barring injuries to Fox and Bagley, there's no reason why this team can't contend for the playoffs. And what happens the very first game? Bagley gets hurt, and it's just like, oh, my gosh. I think there's problems with Bogdanovich, too, with heel getting the extension, and, and I don't know, Bogdanovich wanted to be a starter, and the chemistry just doesn't seem to be there. And... It's, you know, when you're building a team, you know, on the on the way up, there's no pressure. Everyone's real happy. But now there's a little bit of expectations on this team, and we're not handling that well. And the other big question we have, is this going to be a Mike Malone, I called it Mike Malone 2.0 situation, where we had a really good coach and we got rid of him, um, thinking that something was better there that, that wasn't because um, – I don't know. I'd like to hear your opinion as an outsider of what Luke Walton's done so far, but it does not look very impressive to me. I thought his performance in the first game was ex- exactly the problem here. I want to actually pull up the box score from that first game for the Sacramento Kings because you guys got blown off the floor. The game was not really close for the end, but somehow all of your important players were on the floor. I mean, this as someone who's a yeah. 76ers fan, I have long lived the problems of... Brett Brown, uh, you know, uh, he's been much better this year. We didn't talk about that, um, but I have basically dr- done nothing short of drag him through the mud for the last few years because of stuff like this. You know, you look at this box score for the first game, you lose by 30 points, let's call it 29 to the Phoenix Suns. Um, for some reason, Harrison Barnes played 30 minutes. Buddy Heald played 30 minutes. Um, you know, look in here, Bagley played 28 minutes. I mean, what on earth are those guys doing on the floor for that long? I mean, the game was well over. You get outscored. Um, you know, the game's relatively close. Looks like going into the third quarter, you guys were up by three points. And then you get scored outscored 32-17 to 17 in the third quarter, 38-19 to 19 in the fourth quarter. I mean, at the end of the game, get those guys off the floor. What are we doing? There's no reason for them to be injured. I mean, it's, I wish coaches... 
you know, were more realistic about their chances in some of these games and more willing to pull these guys off the floor because, honestly, it's just sad to watch these many talented people not be able to do what they do. Yeah, and it's the funny thing is, like, load management, right? You wouldn't need to load manage if you just pulled the guys out, you know, in double-digit games with, like, less than five minutes. I mean, this stuff isn't that hard, right? Because the thing is, let's say you're in the king situation, right? It's, you're not waving the white flag. You're telling your team, look, these guys aren't getting it done, right? Like, you have a bunch of turnovers. Go sit on the bench. It's not like you're sending a signal to the team that you're giving up. You're sending a signal to the team that you're not accepting their bad play. So, Right, it's uh, more of a signal to the better players. Like, you know what? You guys clearly don't have yeah. it tonight. I'm putting everybody yeah. else in. Maybe they'll figure yeah. it out. That's stuff you've seen the Spurs do time and time again. You've yeah. seen the Warriors do in previous years time and time again. The better coaches, Spolster even does it with the Heat sometimes. I think one of the yeah. reasons they like having a good bench is because it motivates the starters. But it instead, is. they and just leave those guys in there better. to beat themselves to death. It doesn't, like, what are we doing? Yeah. So, really disappointed. And the idea was that he was going to come in like Steve Kerr did and take some, like, rising players and then add like a, a motion free flowing offense that was going to get them all shooting but it doesn't seem to be that way at all right now and i worry that you know um the walton's atmosphere might be a little too loose you know like that you know there was some problems with jaeger and that's a good thing you might want to have a little tension between your coach and players you know you might want you know, it might be good for the players to be thinking, you know, our coach is a jerk. He keeps getting on me of this. Like, he keeps getting me on about that. Like, yeah, because he's trying to make you guys better. And I think that, um, you know, Luke had nice success with, you know, one of the best teams ever as a fill-in, and that's kind of how he made his resume. But uh, has he proven that he can really be the top, the top guy and the guy who sets the culture? Because uh, he's off to a bad start. And he's, like you said, it's only four games. We lost Bagley in the first game, getting hurt. You know, but uh, with, a, with a, a bench as deep as this, one of the reasons we were high on the Kings is we thought that they could absorb an injury or two better than some of the other squads. And uh, they haven't looked that way at all. I'm not as optimistic, I think, as you are. I know we've said a lot of times it's only four games in, but I'm actually really concerned. To have this many players hurt, to have this many bad losses already, I think that yeah. it, it's, you know, it, this is smoke, and I'm waiting to see a fire. I'm not ready to, no, to bury you guys right, yet, but though. there's smoke. Because let's say let's say they do kind of turn around, and then you know you're fighting for the playoff spot towards the end of the season. These little four game stretches, or you know, however it turns out tonight, because I think they're going to come on here in 20 minutes or something. But uh, you know, these four game stretches are the difference between 44 and 40 and getting in to the playoffs. You know, so you know, other- it's like they all every, all these games count. You know. They do. They do. People try to throw away the early season, but, and I, you know, I try not to, again, get too sucked into too many things and, you know, we'll jump at some point into a little quick talk about our handicapping so far and we'll talk more about this, but there are some things early in the season, you know, take notes, write them down, maybe they'll change, but this is one of those things that I'm going to be paying close attention to because I'm not 100% sure that this gets a lot better. Yeah, and it's crazy because these coaches... And, and fans think like, oh, regular season doesn't matter. Regular season doesn't matter. It's like two or three games between the difference between the three and the six seed, right? And of any sport, like I'd say home court advantage matters most in basketball. I'd say of game sevens off the top of my head, uh, game sevens, the home court in basketball is the highest one percentage. It's like 79 or 80% for game sevens. And so it's just crazy that, that, that they punt on these games 
during the regular season like this. It's just it's just rough to to handle as a fan, but um, you know it's exciting as well if it's going your way like it is in Philadelphia this year. So there's so that's the the California team that I am I'm more gravely concerned about. But the spread there's another California team that everyone else is really really worried about. They got fire I coming am. out of their hair. I'm not quite there yet. Now, the Golden State Warriors have definitely struggled through four games. They've clearly, clearly, clearly struggled to do anything defensively worth anything. But what I, you know, the reason I'm pumping the brakes here is I liked Draymond Green's attitude the other day in that press conference. I like that he was able to comfortably sit there and say, you know what, we suck. We don't even know what defense is, let alone playing good defense. And I like that he came out in the next game and got a triple-double and really sat down. I think that that was a real gut-check moment, and I think that, and maybe it's just my expectation of Draymond Green. Maybe I'm too confident in his ability and his determination, but I think that this is a team that was going to struggle early in the year because they're trying to figure out how to play as a new group. But I'm not ready to write them off yet. Are you? Uh, no, I'm not ready to write them off, but I'm ready. I do have Warriors hot take ready for you, okay? So... I'm going to go back a little ways with a little football analogy. And I, there's two coaches that I'm thinking of right now, uh, George Seifert and Barry Switzer, both who inherited championship teams and ran with them, you know. And I'm wondering if Steve Kerr has a little bit of that uh, Barry Switzer in him in the idea of who have the Warriors developed since Mark Jackson left? Like, really, you can't name anyone that the Warriors have drafted and developed. You know the success of the Spurs. The reason we think the Spurs are so awesome, they're picking in the 20s every year, and they turn these guys into solid basketball players. I don't think that they're better at recognizing guys in t gyms in Texas or Michigan or things of that nature. I think when they get to the Spurs camp and the Spurs system, the Spurs teach them how to make the next step, you know, in their basketball career and how to improve themselves and be part of the system. I think... You know, and I, the Spurs is proven. We, you know, you, I, I'll argue with that all day that they do that because that's proven. I think the Raptors have that going on, but it hasn't gone on long enough for us to say that it's proven. But I'd say there's, you know, enough evidence there to make that a theory that they're able to do that. But I don't see the Warriors doing that at all. How, who has Steve Kerr developed? I think that he's better at managing egos and designing awesome offensive plays for stars than he is at really developing a. Uh, average basketball player into a solid contributor so i push back against this idea i think that people maybe overestimate the spurs a little bit and forget how actually hard it is i mean similar to the way that people talk about the patriots like every draft pick they have is good the best you can really do is 50 50 and i'm going to go back through spread the list of draft picks they've had and that Steve right, Curry got, gotten a chance to coach um, okay you've got steph curry you know steph curry's an incredible player but, but jackson do they, they deserve okay so that's mark jackson right you're right yeah. so I think the first draft for Steve Kerr, let me just double check Steve Kerr here and see when he actually started coaching the Warriors. But I think the Draymond Green draft was his first group of guys. No, I think Jackson had one year with Draymond. I think he did, but I'm, I'm you know, if one year, like, I'm willing to say that he's the person that made Draymond is who he is. So it looks like Kerr started no, in 2014. I give Jackson more. He has more Mark Jackson personality. Really? Mm, personality. I, I don't think he does. I think that under. Mark Do you remember Jackson, Mark Jackson as a player? I do. That doesn't look like Draymond Green out there to you? All right, so let's be strict then. Kerr starts coaching the team in 2014. They didn't have okay. a draft pick. 2013, 2014, my guess is that was a result of a lot of the Iguodala stuff. So you've got Kevon Looney, Damian Jones, Jacob Evans, Mie Oni, Eric Paschal, and Jordan Poole. Yeah. 
so you go through that list of names. Kevon Looney is a starter on the team. He's a very good player. Damian Jones, starter on the team. Actually, I don't know if he's not a starter a with Atlanta. I don't know if he's, he's a good player good. or a bad player. He's not. I guess they didn't draft he's Jordan Bell. They traded for him. you got to look at him. This well, is a tough no, list because it's technical they draft picks. That pick. They traded the pick and made it. They made the pick. But Jordan Bell, they they bought him or something, or maybe he's uh, it's so it's unfortunate. We'll do a little more homework pick. on this. They I guess I, I guess I push back on this a little bit because I think Kerr does deserve Who? more credit. He's the only one. But I Jordan think Bell's been an utter disappointment. I don't think you're giving Kerr enough credit for managing what he has, for being able to take Curry I, from being I a very good player to a great player, from taking Draymond into being a good player to a very great player. He can take the very best teams and make them championship teams. He can't develop people like Popovich, right? I mean, we can say that Phil Jackson is one of the best at managing egos, but that Greg Popovich is better at developing players than he is, right? Like, All right. If you're, if you're coming at it from that angle, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, right, that's so my pushback on the Warriors. So I'm saying at this point, you know, it's almost like uh, Budenholzer, right? It was like when he had the good players on the Hawks, he could coach. Then he kind of had to leave and go to the Bucks. Like once he lost the good players, he wasn't really that good. So then they came back and they gave him a bunch of good players, and it's like, okay, now 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 you're good again because you can de- you can manage egos and you can design plays with stars, you know. But that's different than taking a young, because all these guys come in unpolished, you know, and and just really developing them. So, all right, I think this will be a question. Hopefully, every week, are the Warriors going to make the playoffs? Right now, I'd say no. Right, I mean the West is too good. I'm still going to say yes. I'm not ready to say no. I'm, it's hard it's, to tell. I mean, it's fifty-one forty-nine without a center. It's fifty-one forty-nine without a center because Looney and Stein haven't played yet all year, have they? I don't think no. anyone's played one game. Looney, so, I think, yeah, did I mean, play one game, so we'll see what happens when those guys get back. I think that'll be a big yeah, difference. Yeah, I think Stein comes back tonight. I'm preaching cautious optimism. Now let's get to some general team stats here. I think it'll be fun for us to check in, and again, I'll try to chart this. Maybe it'll be interesting for the listeners to see this. All right, spread. What team has the best net rating so far this year? Again, through four games. Philadelphia. <laughs> the Los Angeles Lakers have a net rating of oh, 11.1, wow. followed by the Clippers, 9.6, Timberwolves at 8.8. Now, maybe this isn't updated through tonight's games. Um, I'm looking here. The, the Lakers at 3-1 and one have a net rating of 11.1. They have the best. Who has the worst rating spread? Sacramento Kings. Minus, minus 19. Oh, it was the first minus 32 games. before they lost by 7 to, to Denver. All right, so looking here at some offensive ratings. Now, this is interesting, Spread. Who has the highest offensive rating through four games? Atlanta? The Los Angeles Clippers. Oh, wow. That is very interesting. I think this is something we'll be tracking um, just based on now how I'm looking at this stuff. All right, who has the best defensive rating? Um, the Clippers. The Orlando Magic. Really? Four and a half. Again, that's nice. you gotta go back and that's, look at the schedule. Is that somewhat a function of pace, or is the defensive rating take pace out of it? Defensive rating should take pace out of it, I believe. But again, a lot of this is an opponent adjusted in any way. We'll have to reach out to Whale and figure out how oh, he does that and get those numbers. Point. All right. So now that we're done checking in here, let's check in from a handicap perspective. I know you're writing previews and, and handicaps pretty regularly for Sportsbook Review. How's the season going so far? It's going hit or miss. I mean, I can complain about a couple of my losses, but, you know, those probably things happened in the wind, too. Um, so, Any yeah, trends you've noticed so far? I mean, have you started to really transition into looking at a lot of new stuff yet, or are you still kind of have one foot in last year, one foot in this year? I think this is the hardest week 
I think this is one of the hardest weeks of handicapping of the year. I mean, I really do. You don't have really any actionable information on statistics. You can kind of try and take teams that didn't have too much turnover and use their stats for last year. But if you're if they're going against a team that had a lot of turnover, I don't really see how you know you really have actionable information there. So you're trying to watch everything and you know figure out who's yelling with who, and then you're also having these wild fluctuations in performance. And I think one of the biggest things I had uh, this week was writing about the Warriors. Where I said, oh, uh, when they're going against the Thunder, I said, okay, you know, their offense is going to be okay. You know, they just been playing good teams. Like, they'll look better against a team that's not as good. And then they looked like a G League team, you know. And it was horrible. So the next night, they're playing the Pelicans. And it's like, yeah, I know you're not as bad as you look. But, I mean, they had no centers. Like, their, their tallest player on the court was, like, six foot eight. Like, it was looking crazy. And I'm thinking, oh, well, Favors is going to – he'll eat inside. And, you know, Okafor will probably even score. And then they turn around and they look pretty good against the Pelicans. So that like it's so hard to judge some of these teams. Like right now, like in my mind, like the Warriors have like a huge fluctuation of what they really are as a team right now. You know, where some teams we, we have a pretty good locked in idea of what they are. Right? We know the Milwaukee Bucks and the 76ers are rightful favorites in the Eastern Conference. Right? Like yeah. I'm watching the Blazers and the Thunder right now, right? We know the Blazers, well, you don't think so, but the Blazers are pretty good and the Thunder are probably a lottery team. But I think the Warriors, it wouldn't surprise me if they were in the lottery. It wouldn't surprise me if they ended up being like the four or five seed. So I, that's, they're like, uh, some of these games I think have been tough to cap so far. So I think the theme in general is it's very early, folks. I mean, my modeling is a lot of you guys know who follow me on Twitter. Um, I really only handicap first quarters and three-point made so far, and a lot of it's still <laughs> using data from last year, frankly. Um, I'm still looking at some stats from this year with, you know, kind of half of an eye there. But um, So I'd say for the three-point, like, obviously the percentages should be the same because that wouldn't switch that much. I'm thinking where you're probably having problems is getting just the usage, like the number of attempts you're going to get to over that 1.5. So actually, I've noticed the exact opposite. Um, the attempts oh, are really? up, but I wonder if shooting percentages are a little low at the beginning of the year. I think I need to do some homework going back to look at last season to see if there are shooters that start slow and heat up as the year goes along. So the other night, I had four players to make one and a half threes. One went one for seven, one went one for six, one went one for seven, and one went, I think, one for three or one for four. And, you know, all guys that regularly shoot 35 to 40 percent, if not better, um, so just extremely cold, and I've noticed a lot of like just tough losses from that standpoint. So down a handful of units. But that's going to be a high variance market, right? Because you're really. I hope so. <laughs> instead of the gambling on the outcome of like 48 minutes, you're really gambling on the outcome of four to five shots. Right. right? It's. So um, have a, you would think that things that are longer would have less variance or more likely to adhere to like our whatever our statistical norms are. If we if we know that if we were able to assume that they were for sure true, you know. Yeah. Uh, Luckily, I've been smart enough to stick to small stakes. I try to do that at the oh, beginning yeah, of the, the year. Oh, yeah, at the beginning of the year, you have to. Yeah. We've only got four games. I'm waiting for ten. For me, I think that's enough to start to really dive into this year's stats and trust them implicitly. But I am looking at a little bit of both. I know you talked about in some of our preview stuff you were trying to do a little model. How's that going so far? Uh, it's going good, but it's like I kind of do it like you. So, uh, like on the one that I, I'll usually use during the full season, it has, you know, last three and last ten. So, obviously, I'm just getting to where I can enter last three right now. And then I'm just uh, – so, you know, obviously, last ten still out. So, it's weighted a little weird where, Mike, I think my opinion is weighted too heavily. And <laughs> But, like I said, there's no real actionable information. So, you know, I mean, I'm not going to put the Thunder – as their, you know, power rating from last year, right? I mean, you just have to to make up your own number for them, right? Because they're not the same 
They don't have the same point differential that they did last year. They're not the same team, you know. So a lot of these things really just are opinions. So I think it's, uh, you know, the models are awesome when they're a good blend of your opinion and then you use statistics to kind of not let your biases or individual losses, you know, like, um, you know, so you bet on the team and then lose and you're like, screw that team, you know, like, but they're not really that bad. You're just mad because, you know, they lost by 20 the night you bet on them, you know. So I like to, to use it that way, and I just don't have it yet. But it's a lot of fun. I, I've been doing pretty good with it. And then I also know th this, that um, I adjust too heavily for home and away. Well, that's interesting. One of the things that I want to do this year is some homework on home and away and try to do a little better job. I know we both have kind of our home and away numbers, and we come up with them on our own. But I want to do a little yeah. more digging on that for sure. Well, I was trying to add it in, and then I noticed that there was a serious flaw in my model because it was basically telling me to take every home team. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm overweighting the home court advantage too much. But I was actually using a lot of their splits from last year. And some of these teams have crazy, like, differentials, you know. Like, they say home court advantage is only supposed to be three points in your model. But there will be teams that are, like, plus nine at home and then minus one on the road. That's interesting. We'll, t so we'll dig about that a little more. That'll be that some good follow-up. Yeah, I was trying to work that in. But then it wasn't really giving me anything that I felt was giving me an edge because it's basically just telling me to take all the home teams. You know, we know that's not true because we know that, you know, I mean, obviously it varies from year to year. But if you're just to blindly take every home team, like you're not going to you're not going to beat the VIG. You're not going to be above 52 percent. Like they're they're pretty good about that stuff, you know. No, you should re never really do anything blindly unless, of course, you are blind. And I'm sorry you've had to live your life that way. But yeah. So if you get a model that, that basically tells you to blindly take the home team, you know, your model's completely flawed. So I had to take that part out. And then my other my other stuff is working, I guess, as good as I expect. Um, because I don't have lots of expectations for this time of year. This time of year, you put some you put some small stakes down, you watch the games, and then you get emotionally invested, and that helps you pick out things that you might not have seen if you didn't really care about the game, you know? All right. Let's jump into the games that are on Thursday night. Um, we've got three games tomorrow. Unfortunately, only lines for two of them. We'll start with the game that, games that we do have lines for. The Miami Heat um, going to, let me just double check, I believe the home team is Atlanta there. Yep, the Miami Heat going to Atlanta. The Heat minus six-point favorites. It seems like a line Trey Young's probably not playing, and I'm seeing a total no, he's of out 216. Sure. What do you think right. of that line? Are you, you got any feelings about that? So basically, I usually don't play totals at all, but just because I was so thrown off by that game, um, because I had taken Atlanta plus eight, and it started off, and we had the first quarter too, right? So it started off, and I think we had, what, plus two, and they, they, they lost by three or whatever? Yep. Yeah, okay, but it's a close competitive game, right? I mean, you're sitting there, and you're like, okay, cool. Like, it's not like, oh, plus eight's a lock, but like, okay, like, you know, this is going to be a competitive game. It'll probably go down to the end. Like, let's watch. Let's pick up some stuff. And then in the second quarter, Trey Young rolls his ankle, and then <laughs> the whole life goes out of, you know, the <laughs> – the Atlanta team and my will to watch the game because it was just like, man, like I felt like, you know, I was pretty close to being on the right side there. Atlanta was looking good, you know, and then they just look lost offensively without them. And then it's, this is a crazy situation. They play the very same team, right? I mm -hmm. mean, like, I mean, does, are they trying to do that more this year? I don't remember this happening too often where, you know, it's like a home and home. Um, and then, so, you know, I'm like, I'm trying not to take too much from that game, but without, like, actionable statistics, and then them also losing their best player. It's like, how can I not 
think the same thing's going to happen. Like, how much is the home court in Atlanta really going to matter? Like, if anyone, like, should be, like, immune to Atlanta strip clubs, it's got to be guys from Miami, right? You like, would think probably... that, that that would help quite a bit. <laughs> that's the kind of stuff you tune in for, folks. That really, really yeah. deep kind of, you know, that's... Spread. That's great analysis. Well done. Thank you. But let me go back to my point. So Please. on the Tuesday night, the number was 223, right? Now they yep. can't drop it too far. So they dropped it 216. You would think like, okay, that's seven free points, blah, blah, blah. But watching that game, they could not get their offense started, right? Without Trey Young. And the pace just seemed to slow down like tremendously. So since I anticipate the pace slowing down by like 10%, you know, I don't think that six points is enough. So I ended up taking the under 216 on that. I definitely like some under, some, I definitely like some under looks here. I wonder if a, a first half or even a first quarter under, you know, again, my model is tough to trust at this point since Trey Young's right. out. But I, I like what you're saying there. I think both the pace is going to slow down. And I expect the offensive efficiency to tick down a little bit. Trey Young takes a lot of attention. He has a really high kind of gravity score and his ability to suck attention away from the defense. And now that he's not on the floor, I think things are going to get a lot tougher for the guys that are left. So I like your under look there. Any interest in maybe an alt under? So I'm seeing 216 and a half for the total. Would you go as low as like 210, something like that? Let me see if I can yeah. find some of those prices. Well, I mean, well, what are you getting? Are you getting like plus 185 on that? What are you getting for that all under price? So I don't see that price. What I see right now is under 214 at plus 115. Let me see if five dimes has that. Sometimes they're a little nicer in terms of the A lot of prices. times they don't go up to like two or three hours before the game too. Yeah. So right now I'm seeing under 214 at like plus 115. Um, I, I wonder if maybe some alt-unders would be there. It would be interesting. I think alt-unders are always a good idea, right? Yeah. I mean, it's going. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, any other thoughts on Miami-Atlanta? Well, so so usually I actually don't play totals. Like, when I play totals, that's almost just like a sign of, like, I do not want to play the side. So before I came to the decision that I was going to play the total, I spent quite a bit of time thinking about the side and trying, you know, to uh, balance what I had seen, you know, with statistics and information and knowing that it is a small sample size so the side is six points what side would you take because i'm just curious i uh i i just uh... i think i lean the heat but i think the more interesting question actually is should we take the under on the total or should we do the under on the team total for atlanta the atlanta team total is 105 points 105 and a half i like the atlanta team total when i wrote written the article uh that wasn't available so, I think you're I right. I think that's a better I angle. Out, and I wanted to get the whole preview up because, um, you know, most of the stuff in the preview isn't just the pick. So, yeah, I think there's a great chance this game is, you know, so if the total's 216, I think there's a very real scenario where it's like Miami 120, the Hawks 100, or like Miami 115, Hawks 105 kind of situation. So I think I like that team total under 105 and a half better than I like the uh, the, the full game under because you're not going to get burnt by the heat. Yeah, you like that little wordplay. <laughs> All right, I think that's our our angle there. So, what do you think, Spread? Should our official pick be under two sixteen and a half, or do you want to go under the team total of one and a half for our official podcast pick? Well, I already put out under two sixteen and a half, so let's do the we, team total. That way, we'll have two different plays for everybody. All right, let's try to track these as as the, the season goes along. Let me write this one down. Atlanta team total under one hundred five and a half. We like that. That's our official net worth pick here for the game on Thursday night. 
The other game we have the San Antonio Spurs going to Los Angeles to play the Clippers. Kawhi took tonight off, so he'll be nice and fresh. The rest of the Clippers team may be a little tired having to play in Utah late tonight. But the Spurs getting five points in Los Angeles, the total at 225.5. Spread, what do you think? Man, I think... I don't know. I, 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 I lean the Clippers here. Spurs are so much better at home, it seems like, but uh, I don't know. What What did you think on this one? I wasn't. I wasn't. I had spent a lot of time on Atlanta today. That's why I was a lot more ready for that game. I think so too. I, I like the Clippers here. I think that they're the better team. I think that Kawhi is going to be fresh. I think that he likes playing against Popovich and the Spurs. I think Clippers minus five is a nice look there. Um, I think that's my favorite look. Again, looking at some of the alternate markets here, Clippers team total over 114 and a half. You know, if this game ends up getting to be a slow, that could be a tough number for them to eclipse, even at home, and you know, being one of the better offensive rated teams like we talked about, again, through four games. But kind of like that Clippers minus five. Let me see what some of the other numbers look like here. We could do Clippers minus seven and a half for plus 140. Hmm. Do you think they blow the Spurs out? I think there's definitely a scenario where they beat the absolute pants out of this team. And we know Popovich isn't necessarily um, against benching players at the end of the game. Yeah, that's true. All right, you want to take, uh, should we just take minus five of the regular juice and be safe? Yeah, I don't know about going extra juice here. I don't know. Even five is right around where, like, those numbers that I start getting wary of. Well, we've got to give so, the people something. What are we doing? Okay, we'll give the people Clippers minus five. But I'm telling huh. you, I like the other pick a lot better. So one other thing that's fun on this, do you feel the same way that I do, that seven's a key number? I'm going to be honest. I haven't done enough homework around that. I, I bet that seven is a key number, but I need to go back and look at that. I struggle with basketball, and this is something we talked about with Whale. It's not like football where there's so few possessions and you have this really tight span of scores. Uh, basketball lends itself to, I think, a lot more blowouts than, than people are really willing to admit. I think people remember close games and forget the blowout. So I try to stay away from the concept of key numbers. I'm always happy to sell points. Again, you know, kind of like we talked about whale with Whale. All right, and I'll tell you why I treat seven as a key number just the same way that I do um, in football, and that's, that's the number where your three possessions so it seems to me that that's when the teams start fouling. So when you're around that four, five, six area. I love that um, thought. I wonder if that is. I, yeah, man, I, that's why when you said seven and a half, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't like going through that. Key we need number. to do some work on that and try to figure out when teams start to foul. I think you're right. That's a I mean, big that's deal. just for me watching and sweating out basketball games, like especially with League Pass where you just flip through the endings. You know, like for me, it's about six o'clock when the four o'clock games start ending you know it's like you watch the six game six o'clock games ending then you watch the six thirty games ending then you watch the seven seven o'clock games ending which you know are the ones that started at four thirty, and then you know they all start over again for me at seven thirty p.m but you know i watch for about an hour just the endings of games and it seems like i treat seven as a key number because it seems like that's the, the when they stop fouling and obviously it's different and there's those times where you you you're throwing stuff because you're like why did they foul down by eight you know and you miss the you missed the cover that way, you know. You thought you were safe with like eight and a half or whatever, but um, yeah, go ahead and look into that. But I—that's why when you were just saying going five to seven and a half, I was a little wary of it. 
So the third game we've got tomorrow, we don't have lines for it for some reason. I guess they're waiting to see if Drew Holiday's going to play. But How much does he affect the line? I think he's worth One a point, point or two. It's a point or two. I think that's a serious player. Are they um, really worried about get, being, having their line be a point off? You'd think they just want to take the money and grab the big. I don't know. I mean, Denver didn't play tonight. New Orleans didn't play tonight. Again, the third game, yeah. Denver at New Orleans. Uh, so when are there's they no lines hit? up. It's I don't know. Odd. I have no idea. It is very strange. Maybe we'll see something tomorrow morning. What do you, do you have any expectations? I know that you know neither one of us is big projectors of totals and spreads, but New Orleans at home, Denver's a better team. I assume that Denver's going to be a short road favorite here, maybe minus three, minus four. What are you expecting? I was saying Denver minus two. Okay, so you'd go even shorter than I would. So let's yeah. think about this another way. What number would you need to take New Orleans? Probably two and a half or three. Denver's not that good on the road. Interesting. So Their number... home road splits are one of those teams that I was talking about that's just like they're ten points off each other. Interesting. So what would number would you need to take Denver is maybe the more fascinating question. Sounds like you'd need plus points. No, I mean like minus, minus one? one and a half. Okay. Minus one and a half. I mean because, right, they still should win. I'm just saying like. Denver on the road is not a team I'm, I'm eager to back, right? When I see Denver at home, like, I'm eager to put money behind them, you know? Utah at home, I'm eager to put money behind them. You know, I mean, there's certain teams. Um, so maybe this is ironic, but I know I just skewed the idea of being key numbers. But when I said four and you came in with a two, that's a key number. Because once you get over three, you're talking about more than one possession. And right. I think I would make Denver maybe a yeah, three-point no, favorite. Key maybe three. I guess I can't get to four. Two seems too short. I guess right. I think I'd make this Denver minus three. If I could get Denver minus one, that'd be cool. If I could get New Orleans plus five, that'd be interesting. I might want plus six or plus seven. I don't know, but something in that range. So I think of them the same way. I think of them like um, seven and three in football, but if three is the most important number in football, I think seven is the most important. So I just reverse their importance. But I think those are the two key numbers. I think it's just like football, three and seven. And it's so weird because it doesn't feel like that. It, it should be that way at first. But then you start playing. You start sweating these games out year after year. And you're like, dude, three really is a key number. Like, well, it's a possession it two thing. And a half it's one versus two possessions, half, right? Yeah, two and a half to three and a half. And you go, oh, I'm a late anyways. I just want action on the game. And then you end up, it ends up falling on three. And you're so pissed. It's like, oh, man. All right. So you're expecting the number to be Denver, maybe minus two. I'm looking at maybe Denver minus three. We'll see how that goes. You know, it sounds like if we could get Denver minus one, one and a half, we'd be interested in that. If we could get New Orleans plus four, plus five, we could get that. We'll post a pick once the number comes out tomorrow. What do you think, Spread? Yeah, so real quick, since we're talking about that game, uh, I think the Nuggets have been what we've expected, right? They're a good team, and they, you know, they got to do a little gelling and figuring out their roles, but they're going to be in the mix. What do you think of the Pelicans so far? I think they're kind I'm of a lost mess. on that team. I think they're I'm kind lost. of a mess. I thought I'm they would be a mess. I'm a mess on trying to cap them. Well, you should be. There's no Zion. Holiday's been in and out. It's tough to figure out what this team's going to be. At the end of the day, the only thing you should do at this point is take over on Brandon Ingram player props. Right, so he's been playing pretty well, right? Yep, he's been tremendous. Have you been watching them? I've only watched maybe 20, 30 minutes of, of a couple of their games, um, bits and pieces I've seen here them and there. look awesome, and I've seen them look terrible already. We've only played four games. I think for me, honestly, they're hitting my expectation. I thought they'd win a game or two by now, but... You know, a lot of injury problems for them. So anybody who followed our advice is on New Orleans lot, under, though, or go for it. Is it just Zion? Well, it's Zion, it's Holiday. I mean, those are your two best players, right? Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, okay. 
So how much has Holiday missed? Um, he missed last game, and he hasn't looked good in the first two. So I wonder if that's a carryover of something from okay. the summer. Who knows what's good? But all right, spread. Anything else you want to talk about before we wrap? I mean, it's going to be a tale of two cities. It looks like this year, the best of times and the worst of times. Oh come on! It's so early. It's so early. Yeah. But that's Relax. a dramatic book. I can be, <laughs> be over dramatic with the dramatic book reference. All right, you can write that book. But thanks everybody for listening. We really appreciate <laughs> it. Please reach out. We'd love for you to follow us at Networth Pod. We'd be more than happy to answer any questions you have about anything. If you're listening to us on a podcast app, we'd love a rating and review. That makes a big difference. Thanks again, and have a great week. Good luck in all your wagers. <laughs> <laughs>